0: of the undisputed heavyweight
1: champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talkin' Boxing with
2: Billy C. is
1: on now.
2: My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart.
1: Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagerno. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing A-OK. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Well, give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can get a copy right now. While you're watching or listening to this show, just visit our website, billycboxing.com and click on the book. That's for a signed copy. If you don't care about a signed copy, hey, just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant uh, about getting Tom Molino's story told. And, uh, by the way, the holidays are upon us. If you're looking to get a couple of copies or more, drop me an email directly, and I'll hook you up with a good deal. Billy at Talking Boxing. dot gcom Um... Coming up a little bit later, we got the Boxing Hall of Famer, Larry Hazard, scheduled to join us. And speaking of Hall of Fame, uh, the 2018 Boxing Hall of Fame inductees were announced. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, I got some other news. I got an update on the World Boxing Super Series I'd like to talk about. Uh, Also, the fraud over in England, David Hay. We'll give you an update on him uh and a uh, big fight this weekend uh, today's uh topic to kick off the show um this fu- this weekend this fight that we've been talking about uh puts uh, uh you know two pound for pound fighters against each other which is something that we're always looking to do we're always looking to see these big fights you know this bs about uh letting a fight marinate and this and that uh you know is it- such a crock of baloney because Anytime there's a huge fight and everybody wants to see it, another fight will develop after that one. So there's no reason to put big fights aside for years and years and then all of a sudden you get it and it's anticlimactic. Well, this weekend, uh, Vasily Lomachenko is putting his uh, uh, world uh, junior lightweight or super featherweight, however you want to look at it, title on the line against arguably another... Uh, top, uh, uh, fighter in Guillermo Rigondow. The thing is Rigondow is, uh, much smaller. I mean, he's currently the WBA and IBO world super bantamweight champion. He's de- uh, basically moving up not one, but two weight classes to fight Vasily Lomachenko. Today's first question of the day, will this fight live up to the expectations? Joining me right now from St. Simons Island, uh, is that my is man my head, uh, Sal, Sal Rocky rock, rock, rock. Cola. And, and you got, you got uh, the, the, the sound, sound echoing there, Sal. Sal. So you're so gonna, have, gonna to, have to, uh, to uh, 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 stop, stop that, that. or uh, actually, uh, it just went away. So um, listen, Sal. I-, I wanted to know, uh, magical touch. You got, you got the magic. <laughs> you got the magic touch. Um, my question to you is: uh, Do you think the Lomachenko rigandau fight will live up to the hype?
0: Yes, I think it will, Bill. Good morning. It, uh, it's going to be a great fight. I do, uh, I do see Lomachenko winning. It's going to be a very good fight, though. You're going to see a chess match. You're going to see some great exchanges. You're going to see each fighter trying to get inside, moving. It's going to be a, a, a tactical fight. It's going to be uh, heavy exchanges. You're going to see guys meeting, in, in meeting and ebb and flow of a fight. But uh, ultimately, I think Lomachenko will come out the victor.
1: Right, but, I mean, my question is, do you think it's going to live up to the hype?
0: I think is it's going it- to be a good fight. I think it will be a very good fight. I think we're going to see some really climatic rounds, and uh, uh, and as I was explaining, an ebb and flow. You're going to see uh, each fighter having uh, an opportunity to uh land in some good shots and uh i think it will be a good fight these are two fighters that aren't afraid to to exchange bunches they are defensively sound they're also great in their positioning of of getting in uh and exchanging blows and and trying to hit and not be hit i think it'll be a very entertaining fight a very climatic fight and i do think it'll live up to the hype
1: you know one of the things that you know we we've been hearing Vasily Lomachenko's name, and 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 by the way, we're going to be breaking down and giving you our official predictions on this fight uh, later in the week. As you had heard, we will not be doing uh, uh, a live show tomorrow uh, due to the, uh, our holiday schedule, which yes, is it is upon us. But Vasily Lomachenko is a fighter that um, you know, a- a- as far as. Uh, uh super featherweight or junior lightweight however you want to look at it, he's ranked number one in the world by the computer and many people think pound for pound he's he's one of the best fighters um as a pro he's only got 10 professional fights nine and one with seven knockouts uh he did uh contest for a world title in only his second pro fight and lost a very close split decision against orlando salido um he does have some major wins gary russell jr uh, Roman Martinez, uh, uh, Jason Socia, Miguel Mariaga in his last fight. And, uh, you know, one of these fights that, uh, you know, we thought was going to be a uh, a really, uh, as Sal likes to put it all the time, ebb and flow type fight against Nicholas Walters. Well, we also Nicholas Walters quit. A lot of people put Lomachenko up on the top uh, and, and, you know, they had him fighting these dream fights against bigger guys, et cetera, et cetera. And lo and behold, Rigondeau pops up, a guy that is, is avoided uh, because of his talent in, in terms of boxing talent. He, he, he doesn't make for exciting fights. And uh, everybody's calling for the Rigondeau-Lomachenko fight before it was made. And when you look at it, Sal, Rigondeau is being forced to move up not one but two weight classes to fight Lomachenko. Now, I know these guys are, are smaller, Um, you know, and and a lot of times people don't feel that these weight classes are are that far apart. But still, you're looking at, you know, uh, eight pounds uh, more, at least for the weigh-in, that is going to have to put on. A guy that's known for his agility and, and, you know, boxing ability in terms of just the definition of sweet science, uh, is this going to hurt him? I mean um even though he's uh, regarded as one of the best in his weight class moving up two weight classes uh to fight a guy and by the way uh, much younger than him Rigondahl's 37 and Lomachenko's
0: 29 I mean what what impact is that going to make on this fight you know Bill I'm a firm believer a fighter's got to know where he is at his best and the weight that he is fighting at i mean uh a few times I fought as a welterweight, uh, junior welterweight. But my best weight fighting was between 135 and 138 pounds. And if I was fighting a welterweight fight, I wanted to go in that ring at about 138 pounds. It didn't matter. I was going to be at my best. And to me, the 8 pounds, 10 pounds, pounds—it it wasn't. I, I gave away more than 10 pounds in several of my fights at times. It didn't matter. Um, I think Rigandau, he's got the frame where it, it, you're talking about eight pounds, yeah, two weight classes, yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to be too much of a of a uh, situation because uh, he's, he's got a hell of a fight ahead of him. I mean, Lomachenko is no easy task at any weight. So I don't think the weight is going to be an issue. I think he will be at his best ring and Dow, no matter what weight he comes in. He knows he's a professional. He knows where he feels most comfortable at. And if it, if it is even a little heavier, maybe he's tearing himself apart to make the weight class he's in now. So maybe a few extra pounds on him will make him uh, at a comfortable weight where he could be at his best and have the most endurance and deliver a decent punch. I don't know. I'm not him. But what I would say is I don't think the weight is going to be that much of an issue when you're talking about eight pounds. It's a lot of weight, though,
1: Sal. And here's a guy that, that has never fought. Um, I mean, since he turned pro, he's been fighting in the uh, – super bantamweight division and assuming that he's 37 years old you know a lot of times we'll look at a young fighter and say well you know he's young his body has you know hasn't filled out 100% yet etc cetera, etc cetera. and here we got a guy 37 years old you got to assume uh you know his body has filled out and you know he's been consistently making uh the super bantamweight uh division and, you know, he fought as as soon as June of this year against Mo, Moses Flores, uh, in which that fight was stopped uh, uh, because of an, uh, it was a no contest because of a, uh, a cut that had taken place. And uh, prior to that, he hadn't fought uh, for a year before that. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, when you're going up against a guy like uh, Lomachenko, you're giving up age, you're giving up some height, although... Uh, Rigondeaux's reach is uh, longer. Uh, you're giving up uh, height and, and, and size and age. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think. I think if Rigondeaux wins this fight, more kudos to him. I. I don't know. I. I, I think I disagree. Uh, very rarely do I disagree with you, but I, I think the weight is going to make a difference. I mean, considering these guys weigh the day before, so let's assume. Um, You know, he's he's going to hydrate up anyway uh, in a normal fight in his in his, uh, you know, normal division, if we want to call it normal super bantamweight. He rehydrates on fight night. Uh, So let's say that that's a comfortable weight and that falls to be, you know, at the uh, junior lightweight limit, which is the fight all of a sudden Lomachenko's going to be coming in uh, with a substantial weight advantage, you know? And and they're both southpaws, too.
0: I mean, it it brings a lot of questions in this fight, Sal. I admit it. does bring some questions. I feel, and for whatever reason, for whatever variables might be uh, in this fight uh, that we have to consider, you know, I think it's going to be an entertaining fight, and I think that is going to come out ahead. But I don't think Riggendale is going to hurt himself by moving up a weight class or two. And I, I because of those those incremental weight classes being so uh, close with uh, with, the, with the pounds, we're talking about four, five, six pounds, um, fighters can adapt to that. And I'm sure this isn't the first time that he uh, has trained, fought, or maybe may the first time he's going to fight at that heavier weight. But he's walked around – He's moved around, and I don't think he would be do, doing something for the first time if it was completely a new feeling and a new thing for him. I'm sure he's either trained at this weight. I'm sure he's either feeling comfortable at this weight because why did he have to take the fight two weight classes up? Maybe, maybe his he, he is mature. Maybe he is trying trying to see how he can um, uh, move, how his body reacts in a heavier weight class. And you know, th- those are things that we're going to find out this Saturday night.
1: Yeah, but but Sal, uh, here's a guy in Rigandale who nobody wants to fight this guy for various reasons. Number one, true. He he's good. <laughs> I mean, yes, let, let, Let's put it up. Let's put. I mean, you could we could we could spin it any other way. This is a good fighter. It's a great fighter. Good fighter. You know, yes. uh, a, a well decorated amateur and and it's transcended into the pros. Uh, so so right off the bat, you know, uh, he has a hard time finding dance partners. You know, it, for his whole pro career, he's fought at this same weight class. 37 years old, moving up to fight a young gun. I don't know. I, I think that this, I, I think on fight night, you're right. It, we'll see how he took the weight. But, you know, a guy that has been fighting as long as Rigandau, uh at a specific weight. Now, remember, these Cuban fighters... You know, they're, they're, at least when they were in Cuba, they're very disciplined. I mean, he's still disciplined, but we have seen some other Cuban fighters come on over here and and their discipline goes out the window. Uh, But uh, uh, Rigondeau is a disciplined fighter. Uh, You know, he's a talented fighter. I I don't know. I think that the issue here is going to be the size difference. I really do. And I I, I think that Rigondeau is going to have no problem making weight. I think he's going to feel comfortable, just like all those uh, points you made, uh, but it still is the first time. You know, here's a guy that we are used to seeing with, uh, you know, fluid movement. Uh, he's hard to hit when you're standing right in front of him. Uh, you know, I mean, his his body is like a slinky, you know, I mean, his, his waist is right there and you still can't hit him. You know, I mean, you know, when I talk about sweet science, this is a guy that that is the sweet science because... You know, the true definition of sweet science is hit, knock, get hit, but still be in position to inflict damage on your opponent. You know, this whole facade that has been crammed down everybody's throat for the last decade about the sweet science, hit, knock, get hit, and, and, and you know, you throw a punch and, and you kind of dance away, and now your opponent can't touch you, but you're not able to touch your opponent either. That's not the sweet science, trust me. And uh, Rigondow does display the sweet science, as does Lomachenko. So if they're both... You know, in their A game, so to speak, in terms of uh, you know sweet science, uh, and they both are fluid movement type fighters. Uh, both are, are good counter punchers, Both can attack when they want to. Lomachenko more than Riganow has displayed. Both uh, fighters are, are are southpaws, and one is you know uh, uh, you know almost uh, seven years younger, and two way classes bigger. Uh, my money's going on Lomachenko uh, for for that reason. I I don't know if I would say the same thing if they were the exact same size and and same age. I think this is just a a, a case of a big name in Rigondow fighting a big name in Lomachenko, but all of the, uh, I don't know, pros are on Lomachenko's side. I think Rigendow is running out of opportunities. Uh, This was probably the best financial move for him. And uh, I think if he can pull it off, a victory, which I- I'm I'm not predicting, uh, if he can, I, I think th- uh, there's going to be a whole new light shed on uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux.
0: I think you just worded it perfectly, Bill. There's nothing really to build on that. I mean, I think he will look great in the fight. I think uh, I think he's going to come up short for several reasons. Some that you mentioned, some other um, ones that. Uh, I do think he's got a good shot, though, and, and he will look good. I mean, to say that this is going to be the first time, I am sure that he has been in a gym 8 to 10 pounds heavier than what he fights at, to train, to move. So I when you say it, it, it's new to him, yeah, it's going to be new on a professional format and on a world stage, but I'm sure that he has done this. He's sparred. He's moved. He's run. He, he's used this uh, weight. As his walking around weight, many times, and maybe this is the time he feels like, hey, you know what? I'm at my best at my natural weight. It's eight pounds heavier than what I tear myself down to get. So I'm going to try this. So we we are going to have to see. That's it. Uh, I think that uh, he's got a good shot. If, if Lomachenko gets cocky and starts doing his thing here, and 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 uh, and could take advantage of it, he's, he's gonna he's gonna do it. He's a veteran. He, he's he's definitely uh, the kind of fighter as as a, it's almost like a mirror. They're going to be fighting each other, and 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 they have the talents and possess similar skills that uh, that I think is going to make an, a very very entertaining bout. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's it
1: it it will live up to the hype. And, and you make a point about Lomachenko if he starts fooling around and stuff. See, Rigondeaux not going to bite on that. Rigondeaux no, too won't. disciplined. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who forces who to fight the fight they want. In other words, Ringendow basically is a guy that controls what goes on inside the squared circle. And, you know, this is why some of his fights are not exactly exciting. Lomachenko has a tendency to create excitement in the ring when he has a willing dance partner. Uh, I'm not so sure Rigandau will do that. Now, as far as Lomachenko goes, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I I love Lomachenko, and, you know, I like Rigandau, too. You know, I just think that in today's world of boxing, the one pet peeve— I mean, I have many pet peeves in the sport, but but the one that that haunts me the most is that there's always— there's always a tipping of the scales, and I know we're talking about weight, but that's not the scales I'm talking about. Um, I, you know, there's always a tipping of the scale in a, in a sense where one fighter has got the odds stacked in his favor, and in this case, it's Lomachenko. Now, the the promoter of this fight is Top Rank. It is going to be on ESPN, which is great. And Rigendahl, believe it or not, is still being promoted by Rock Nation. They're co-promoters of this, which you know, we were right. talking about that uh, promotional company the other day, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, all the concessions seem to be in Lomachenko's favor. Now, FYI, there is a rehydration clause of some kind uh, in this fight, so uh, Lomachenko's not going to be able to rehydrate and come in 20 pounds heavier. Uh, so, I, I mean, I guess that is a pro in one sense, but uh, the other, the other thing that I'm curious to see, is how they go against each other, considering they are both southpaws. Generally, when you see a southpaw fighter, you're always wondering, you know, how they're going to fight when they're fighting an orthodox fighter. But the truth of the matter is, is most most southpaw fighters have a lot of experience against orthodox fighters because that's generally who they fight. It's the other way around that's rare when you see two southpaws fight. I mean, what's your thoughts on that?
0: It's a good point, but as I said, these guys are seasoned pros. They've had uh, h- how many amateur fights before, and uh, I'm sure that they've been sparring uh, with fighters that can uh, go back from orthodox to southpaw. I'm sure. Uh, don't be surprised if each of them are going to try and do that to throw off the other. So I, I think that I think that they'll they'll dance the way they can, and uh, it's not going to be that difficult. They're, like I said, if they were inexperienced, if they uh, didn't have the kind of resume on their records, then I'd have a question, but uh, these guys are experienced. They know what they're doing, and it's going to its gonna look like they're just natural dance partners. I agree. I think
1: that uh, it's going to be a very entertaining fight, uh, contrary to what some people believe because of Rigendahl and I do think it will live up to expectations, my concern, like i've been pointing out for the last 10 minutes is uh the weight and age and all of that you know it reminds me of my favorite uh short story a piece of steak written by jack london and uh it was all about youth versus age and youth always prevails we are going to take a short break when i come back the 2018 international boxing hall of fame inductees some i like one i don't i'll be back in two we'll be right back Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache.
2: Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. I hate you.
1: That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. We're talking about, well, just before we went to break, we were talking about the big fight this weekend uh, between uh, Rigendau and uh, Lomachenko. It's going to be on ESPN. Uh, definitely a, a good fight to watch. Do we, I think it will live up to the expectations of the South. So make sure you tune in to that one. We'll be talking more about that and breaking it down. Uh, later in the week, uh, but uh, the International Boxing Hall of Fame made their official announcement yesterday for the 2018 inductees, and uh, although the modern category includes uh, three fighters, I have zero problem with uh, Vitaly Klitschko, um, the uh, uh, four-division world champion uh, Eric Morales, who, I mean, who didn't love watching Eric Morales, and Winky Wright, which, uh, I think was a good choice. I mean, he's a, he was an underrated fighter, and uh, I, I think the committee got it right by uh, putting him in there. Now, uh, the non-participant uh, and observers that were inducted, uh, Klaus uh, Peter Kohl, which is a German uh, promoter, Steve Albert, who uh, was a broadcaster, who I can't recall the last time he did a, a fight, but the guy that I'm most sick over... That they inducted into the Hall of Fame is Jim Gray. Now, Jim Gray, to me, is a pompous idiot. And I can't stand his interviews that he does with Showtime. Why don't you you beat a drum on that end there, Sal? Did you you hear that? Did I hear it? So did everyone else. But, uh, you know, I I mean, uh, you know, uh, Jim Gray um, has no business being in the Hall of Fame. This is a guy... I you know I really wonder how these people get uh, in- inducted in the Hall of Fame. I, no problem with a promoter. No problem with uh, you know Klitschko and and Morales and and Winky Wright, but Jim Gray for doing those stupid interviews uh, once in a while. I mean he's never done anything other than that. I I'm sick over that. And and I'll tell you another thing. Ricky Hatton was on the ballot, didn't get in. I you know he's a Hall of Famer. Um, you know Darius uh, Mikolchelwski he, he was on there Nigel Ben he didn't get in Donald Curry's been on for a few years i i'm I, I'm just I'm shocked that he's not in and the reason why I say this is because Donald Curry when he busted onto the scene he took it by storm. I mean this was a guy that just uh, you know took the division by storm and just as quickly as he took it he lost it but that's the nature of the beast uh, Donald Curry wasn't just winning fights; he was blowing people away. Um, I think he's a Hall of Famer. But the guy that I feel should have gotten in this time, right out of the gate, was Ivan Calderon. I'm to to put to leave him off and put J, Jim Gray in. I'm sick. What what's your thoughts on at least the three uh, fighters, uh, Vladimir Klitschko? I, I'm sorry, uh, Vitaly Klitschko, uh, Eric Morales, and uh, uh, Winky Wright, Sal. I think
0: that's a good 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 pool right there i think that's very valid i have no problems with that uh how, how's my buddy Vinny pazienza when's he going to be eligible uh i i don't know is vinnie you think Vinny pazienza is is a hall of famer i don't know i mean he's done a lot i mean he uh i think he, he's going to scratch the surface in a couple of years
1: i don't know i you mean know, he's I... done a lot
0: we'll see he's got a good story it's a great I'm story just, i'm just but looking great, at the pool i mean the pool st- is the pool getting shallow on some levels in some areas i don't know i think they got a lot of a lot of people yet to do i like the three nominees that they uh that they they mentioned i think they're all good and valid and worthy yeah i mean
1: uh, yeah you well know, I'm, of I'm course you, uh, but uh, and then when Paz- you say
0: vinnie pazienza well, i vinnie, said
1: i know he's talking about vinnie pazienza maybe he he accomplished a lot Hall of Fame, I don't know. You see, that's the problem with the Hall of Fames. You know, I mean, uh, and, and no disrespect. Hey, listen, I felt Boom Boom Mancini belonged, and a lot of people didn't. You know, uh, a, a lot of people didn't think that Arturo Gotti belonged. I thought he did. You know, I, there's this. in my there's opinion, to, to make of, the Hall yeah. of Fame, in my opinion, not only do you have to be, and, and this goes for any sports Hall of Fame, not only do you have to be exceptional, at the sport and in this case boxing but you had to have brought something to the sport in a positive fashion that changed the sport or helped the sport uh you know grow and that's why I felt that both Arturo Gotti and Boom Boom Mancini deserved to get in uh, especially Arturo Gotti. I mean you know uh, you know this was a guy that people talk about I mean if you if you Mention Ataur Gotti, Anybody that saw him fight was, oh my God, he's a warrior. Same thing with Jake LaMotta. And and I guess for that line of thinking, you could mention the same thing about Vinny Pazienza. Uh, but uh, but you know, just cover, just looking at the fighters uh, from this Hall of Fame, Winky Wright, great defensive fighter, uh, former uh, uh, you know champion. Of, of course, all these guys were Vitali Klitschko, uh, dominating champion. And uh, Eric Morales, I mean, I talk about a guy that was in Wars. I, I, just, I, I just can't accept Jim Gray. I just, I, you know, I'll forever see him in the I light don't. of what he did to, to, to Pete Rose. And I can't respect him. I, I, I think he's awful, like the whole rest of uh, the, the, the Showtime group, except for uh, Al Bernstein and Paulie Malinaji.
0: Well put. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Uh, so that's my thoughts on the Hall of Fame. I mean, uh, I don't know, you know. But anyway. I,
0: I think I think we should uh, plan a trip uh, and do a show like we used to, right outside either Graziano's or something. I think we should do a reunion trip and and get some uh, get some of our uh, celebrities up there and get some that are probably going to be up there invited anyway and uh, swing by our our table. And I think. Uh, we should plan a nice weekend to be up there and attend this year, maybe. What do you think?
1: I don't know. Jim Gray's going to be there. I want to. Yeah, him we can his say face. hi, shake his hand. Yeah, congratulations. congratulations. Um, <laughs> the World Boxing Super Series uh, announced the uh, uh, date and location uh, for uh, the semifinals between Murat Gassiev and uh, who's a, a the IBF World uh, Cruiserweight Champion against the WBA World Cruiserweight Champion Unier Torticos. Uh, it's going to be taking place in Russia February 3rd. Um, I love this fight. I love this tournament and I love this fight. Uh, Gasiov says uh, Dortico is a very good and dangerous fighter. It's going to be Great to test my skills against an opponent like him. I'm confident we will deliver a great boxing uh, show for the fans around the world. Doc Tico says, I believe I'm the best in the world and a future winner of the Muhammad Ali trophy. I can't wait to show Gassiev and the fans in Russia all over the world what the KO doctor is all about. Um, Like I've maintained from the beginning, Sal, these guys are all challenging themselves to be put in the ring against challenges, and I applaud them. They're all bringing something that they're risking with a belt, and, you know, it's a shame, and it's a, and quite honestly embarrassing that the U.S. fighters failed to do this, and I think it's a reflection on the U.S. I mean, think about it. You know, the U.S. has become... Uh, you know, oh, do you don't want to offend anybody? Oh, don't want to take any chances. Oop, you know, uh, lazy is a great word. And now we have to have these other fighters from other countries showing that they have the you know what's to step in the ring and they, they want to do it the old fashioned way. They want to prove they're the best by fighting the best. The titles are secondary. Uh, you know, all the risks, uh, rewards, all of that stuff, all they care about is to prove they're the best. And here uh, for this uh, uh, semifinal. Uh, about in the cruiserweight division. I, I'm loving what I'm hearing from these guys. I can't
0: wait. What's your thoughts? Well, you said it right there. You know what? It, it's embarrassing that there were really no USA fighters coming into this tournament or volunteering to enter the tournament. And it, it says a lot. When you see these guys uh, from the European bloc country uh, and, and, and everything else that want to get involved, want to prove that they're the best, want to fight the best, want to be challenged... I mean, it says a lot. It says a lot about uh, their character. It says a lot about their confidence. And it says a lot about what they're looking to pull and rise to the occasion to get from themselves. And I love that. That's what fighting's all about, challenging yourself and rising to the occasion and proving you're the best, and proving you're, a better, one, uh, you're, you're better than your opponent. And, you know, as we know, the song and dance and sidesteps all occur with a lot of our maneuvering and, and uh, in and outs and promoting and matchmaking with the United States fighters. That's the way it is. Speaking of of, late,
1: of late. Speaking of promoting and maneuvering and all the other things, uh, David the Fraud Hay uh, looking for a rematch with uh, Tony Bellew. uh, As you recall, uh, uh, he gave us a a very long, um, you know, uh, winded uh, explanation of how he injured his a bicep uh, as he I was walking that. the stairs and grabbed the banister. And, I mean, you know, it, 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 it I seems like, uh, uh, you know, the, the the length of his excuse was, was uh, you know, a, a little bit longer than the war and peace saga. But uh, uh, the truth of the matter is they uh, uh, have rescheduled the fight. It's going to be now taking place December 17th. Um, and uh, i'm sorry it was originally supposed to be taking place on december 17th it's now going to be taking place may 5th uh, you know it just seems pretty strange to me the guy injures himself and then you know 6 months later you know we'll uh, we'll do it so uh, anyway not that many people give a rat's ass about david hay at least on this side of the pond i know they still love him over on the other side i'm not sure why but uh, in case you in case you were wondering the uh, Tony Bellu, David Hay rematch set for May fifth uh, Cinco de Mayo. Isn't isn't there a big fight happening between Triple G and Canelo on that day? You know, another. Stupid... There's only one fight I want to watch. Exactly. I mean, I, why would you want to compete with them? You know, but uh, in any event, that's what it is. Hey, Sal, we're gonna kick you to the curb for a little bit. Uh, we are going to take a uh, short break, and when we come back, we're scheduled to have my man uh, Larry Hazard join us. So uh, uh, we'll get back to Sal in a little bit, but for now, I'm going to take a short break. I'll be back in two. Billy will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. you got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. Check out billycboxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache.
0: Oh, that that's my face. I hate you. I
2: hate
1: you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching... And listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, with us right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, my man Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry.
2: Hey, what's up, Billy? What's
1: happening, baby? Uh, Same old, man. Same old. uh, (laughs) Me. I'm getting old. That's that's the same old. But uh, uh, anyway, last weekend, Miguel Cotto uh, fought uh, what he's calling his last fight. And I personally didn't give uh, Saddam Ali much of a chance. And mm-hmm. the way I saw that fight was um, pretty much how the judges saw it. I, I think they finally got it right. Um, it reminded me of the typical, you know, the youth versus age. I thought Saddam Ali fought the right fight. And, you know, no no problems for, from me on either side. I, I think Koto proved uh, he's what he is. This is a guy that has seeked out the best challenges throughout his career he could have taken an easier fight to, to say goodbye I mean many of us thought it it was fairly easy but uh, as we learned uh, it was not he did fight a young gun um, even though he was moving up in weight what was your thoughts on on the fight the performance uh and of both fighters and kodo uh, you know I know it's not fair to to look at his whole career right now, I like to let them uh, sit for a few years before we we break them down and look at them. But but initially, what's your, what's your thoughts on Miguel Cotto's career? Um, you know, did the fight have anything to do with with your thoughts on on his overall career?
2: Well, first off, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we're talking about a future Hall of Famer. Uh, Miguel Cotto has had a stellar career. If you look at the fighters who he fought, and not just fought when these fighters were old. He fought these guys when they were in their primes. Some he fought even more than once, and he was able to always bounce back and remain among the elite of the fighters of his era. So without a doubt, I think that uh, we're talking about a future uh, first-round Hall of Famer in Miguel Cotto. As far as this fight with Saddam Ali. Um, as you said, Billy, he could have picked an easier opponent. Um, I'm not, I'm not ex- that extremely high on Saddam Ali, but I think he is a, a good fighter. Personally, I don't think he's going to hold that title, that 154-bound uh, title. I don't think he's going to hold it uh, for a long time. But he put in a good effort and a well-justified win against Miguel, um, I think that Ali has to focus a bit more on, you know, being able to uh, follow up on on some of the situations where he had he actually had Kodo in trouble two or three times, and it seems like he he uh, chose to stand back and admire his work instead of finishing him off. You know, all of the great fighters, all of the great fighters, uh, when they got you in trouble, you didn't they didn't let you off the hook. So I think that he comes up short in that category. And I think that, you know, he's going to have to uh, learn to be able to take those chances uh, when he gets a fighter hurt. You know, I listened to him say, you know, something about he didn't want to uh, uh, chance getting caught or get hit or whatever. Well, you know, that that's not the attitude that goes into becoming a great fighter. But I thought it was a, I thought it was a very entertaining fight. Not a great fight, but a good fight. And I thought that Cotto, um, you know, he has picked the right time to retire. Uh, You know, he seems to be financially uh, set. You know, he has his own promotional entity uh, that he's developing. So I think this is a good time for him to uh, hang him up and, uh, you know, go on to bigger and better things. But I thought it was a good fight. I thought he has uh, put in a good performance. Uh, he didn't make up any excuses as to why he lost, although, you know, he suffered the injury, but he didn't, he didn't use that as an excuse. So, you know, I applaud uh, the performance. I thought it was a good fight, and I think that uh, Cotto is making the right decision in retiring at this time.
1: You know, um, you know, I, I agree with you uh, about Miguel Cotto. Clearly, first ballot Hall of Famer. And you know what I like about Miguel Cotto? First of all, I can't recall a, a fight that he was in that wasn't exciting, whether he won or lost or whatever. I mean, and and to me, that that's that's worth a lot. And the other part of that, uh, Larry, is this: when you look at Miguel Cotto, and I don't care if you look at the Miguel Cotto from last weekend or you look at a, a, a prime Miguel Cotto. Let's be honest. This guy didn't possess any super-duper skill. I mean, he was just an aggressive fighter who came forward, who knew how to land a nice left hook to the body, and was tough. He he able to pull his ass up off the canvas. He's proven time and time again. That not only does he have heart, uh, but determination and, and will, and, and and he comes from behind. I mean, th- this, is, this is a threat. I mean, listen, we can use that... That term for a lot of fighters, but is there another fighter that comes to mind when you think of throwback fighters than Miguel Cotto? I mean, at least you know from this day and age.
2: Not, not really. I mean, you know, there, there were, there were. Uh, I, I often think of the Philadelphia, the old Philadelphia fighters, um, the way they came. You know, you, you, you had a whole slew of guys from yesteryear who weren't great fighters. Some never even became world champions, but they, they kind of remind you of the uh, Miguel Cotto type. You knew that whenever they went in, anything could happen. You, you know there was never a dull moment. They always gave 100%. And I think the the major element, that most, if not all, of these fighters possess was that they saw themselves as fighters, as professionals. They were well-conditioned. They, they welcomed the challenges. And, you know, you had to bring it to get it when you fought these guys. And I remember the 1980s and 90s and the 70s, 80s, and 90s. All of those great fighters that came out of Philadelphia. You know, I, Miguel Cotto could easily be thrown in with all of those guys with his attitude and his approach to his profession, you know, and I agree. Miguel Cotto never, you know, if you look at, there's nothing that you can specifically say that was that outstanding about him, but he had, he brought a lot of certain elements Together, that translated into him being a, uh, an outstanding fighter. I don't know if we want to call him a great fighter. I don't know where the bar is. Everybody has a, a different bar um, for measuring greatness. But he certainly he certainly has all of the elements of, of the outstanding, the elite fighters, and there's never a dull moment when he fought. And anybody who ever took him lightly ended up on the short end of of the contest. So you know, uh, my my hat my hat is off to Miguel Cotto. He's he's an outstanding fighter, and as I said, certainly a Hall of Fame, a future Hall of Fame.
1: I love your analogy with uh, with the Philly fighters and Miguel Cotto. You know, because the Philly fighters years ago, boxing was a trade, and when you got into it, uh, you know, it, it was a it was a, the 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 progression was you were an amateur, then you became a pro. And, you know, when, when your pro career was over, you, you stayed in the sport. You know, you were a trainer, you owned a gym, you were a promoter. And, you know, it was a trade. It was your business you got into. And uh, we don't see that much anymore today. And the Philly fighters seem to be taught that in the gym, you know, to prove you're the best. You, know, you fight the best. I mean, you know, you, you hear stories and, and have seen it if, if people have visited the gyms. Uh, there's better fights in the in the sparring sessions in philly than than there are in fights that we watch on on the cable networks these days. you know? So one thing I wanted to add about uh, uh, Saddam Ali, I agree with you about him being short-lived in this weight class. and And the reason is when you look at the one hundred and fifty four pound weight class, there's some monsters in there right now, which I can't even believe make <laughs> the weight. And Charlo and Hurd, those two guys come to my mind uh, right now. They look like uh, light heavyweights or cruiserweights when they're in the ring. So, And Saddam Ali, although he looked big against Cotto, Cotto's not a big guy. He's not even really uh, a junior middleweight. So I, I agree with you there. And, and one last thing I want to ask you about Saddam Ali and and the comment you made about um, him uh, taking his foot off the gas pedal when he, when he had Miguel Cotto hurt. You know, I was talking about this the other day, Larry. And, you know, I, I truly believe it. And I say this about, you know, when Floyd fights guys and when he used to fight guys and, and you know, they win the lotto to fight Floyd. And, and, and I look at it that way because they just landed a fight that um, is, is life-changing in terms of money. And, you know, I, I just think it's human nature that it's hard to beat the snot out of a guy that just, you know, changed your life. I mean, old-time fighters would say, hey, all of that respect goes out the window when the bell rings. I'm not sure it does with today's fighter. And and my question is, did Saddam Ali take his foot off the gas because of, A, he didn't realize he had Kodo in trouble like uh, some people were suggesting, or B, that he had too much respect for Kodo inside the ring until the, the latter part of the fight?
2: Well, I take him at I take him at his word. What he said, uh, I believe what he said. Okay, and that's why I said I said that he needs an attitude makeover if he if he wishes to ever reach that uh, that pendulum of greatness. He said himself that you know he didn't want to take a chance on getting caught. Or getting hit or something of that nature. And when he said that, I'm like, wow, what kind of attitude is that, you know, for a fighter? You know, all of the great fighters, You, you, all of the great fighters that I'm sure you can think of didn't have that attitude. You know, when Marvin Hagler got you on the hook, man, you didn't get off. When Sugar Ray Leonard, when he got you on the hook, that was it. Lights out, game over, you know. Uh, and, and, and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, Tommy Hearns, when he nailed you, man, and you your knees uh, buckle or whatever, it was over. That's game over, you know. These guys never carried that type of attitude. You know, you never saw them stand back and admire their work. You know, that was a part of their work, man. That was a part of the plan. So I, I can recall two or three times when he had caught him on the hook and he just, I'm like, wow, man, what's with this guy? You know, and right there, you know, I formed an attitude with this, with uh, Saddam Ali. You know, I wasn't that high on him in the beginning. Thought he was a decent fighter. But then, you know, that kind of solidified my thinking. This guy, you know, he's not going to be among the great or the elite fighters and if he wins he ain't going to hold his title long I, I, form, I formulated that opinion of him you know as the fight wore on all of those elements that I look for to help me determine where a fighter is going in the future you know what kind of future do you think this guy has you know if he does he need a new trainer or does he look like he really has the potential to be a great one you know i couldn't give him any of those check marks just because of that and then when he openly admitted that he didn't follow up because he was a, he didn't want to take a chance well you know that that's the way i see that man i you know you know i i, I just i'm not that high on him just because of it so i i take him at his word that that that's the reason why he didn't follow up had nothing to do with respect for Kodo, had nothing to do with gratitude or anything of that nature.
1: You know, I thought the turning point in the fight for Saddam Ali was when Kodo rocked him and and, and usually and I think it was in the eighth or ninth round, I, I can't remember, but usually when a fighter I mean how many times have we seen it a fighter lands a punch on a guy. We know it hurts him, and the guy shakes his head. Nah, it didn't hurt me, and and that's usually an indication that says, yeah, you know, that, that just hurt him, you know. But in this particular case, Cotto lands a shot, and, and uh, Saddam Ali goes back and basically bumps into the ropes, and he looks at Cotto and shakes his head. Yes, you got me there. But from that point on, it looked like Saddam Ali, and and maybe maybe what you're saying makes a hell of a lot of sense now that I, I I look at it in this perspective, because from that point on it seemed like he was willing to take that chance, and he, the, I think that's when the he won the fight. I I think he turned that fight around, and won the remainder of the rounds uh, on my scorecard. You know, so um, I did you notice that? I mean, uh, did you see that? Uh, you do you know the point I'm talking
2: about? Well. Yeah well i think i think you i think what he saw at one point was that um kodo appeared to acknowledge that hey look you know i'm just going to coast on in because i think that's where the injury was most evident with kodo kodo knew that he couldn't that he had hurt the bicep okay i think that uh it it, it makes me go back to something that, uh, like Mike Tyson used to say, it's almost like an agreement. You know, fight. Sometimes fighters fight after so many rounds, there's an agreement. Okay? Uh, you don't hurt me, I won't hurt you, and we'll just cruise on through this thing. I think that that's kind of like the attitude that Cotto uh, took. And then Saddam Ali, it's kind of like he knew that uh, Cotto had, for lack of a better term, given up it was toward the end of the fight, and so now he just turned it on a little. But he never really, he never really hit the gas pedal and tried to take Cotto out, because toward the end of the fight, I mean, he just pulled away. Right. You know, it was obvious that he was winning the fight; he was going to win, unless you know the the judges went the other way. So I think that they kind of had like an un, you know, like an unspoken agreement toward the end of the fight, and that's the way it is. One
1: one last thing on this fight, and we'll move on. You know, it's really sickening to watch the uh, commentating on on the bigger fights these days because it's so obvious that they're biased. The, 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 the biggest example of this in that particular fight was the punch that, or let, let me rephrase that, the swing that Saddam Ali missed Koto, by a mile. Now I'm i I'm not ringside, Larry. I, I I'm I'm not even in the stadium, all right. I, I'm watching on my couch with a scotch, all right? And uh I'm sitting here and I saw that punch didn't come close. And what do I hear from the announcer? Oh what a down goes Salam Ali What he gets rocked, he's down, right? And and uh Max is going, Oh, that was this and Roy Roy, who I am sick of, says I don't think he landed down. <laughs> And I'm sitting there going, You're right, Roy, I'm screaming at the TV and it took them until they watched the uh replay to realize and then even my man Harold Letterman is still saying, I I don't know what they saw, but I saw I'm not gonna punch. I'm saying, man, it wasn't even close. Did you did you see it like I saw it or what? It wasn't a punch wasn't even close. It wasn't close okay, it wasn't close.
2: It wasn't close, right? It wasn't even close. I, I mean, know. <laughs> you know when you get to these commentators now don't don't get me started on.
1: These I know, guys, I know, okay. I know.
2: Because because this 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 Kellerman, that guy, I don't know. It's something about him that just irks me. With everything that he says, okay. But just you know, don't 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 get me started on those guys.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's hard. I usually listen to it with this. I can't listen to the other guy uh, um, on uh, on Showtime, Ronaldo. I, I I just can't. I, I mean, he's he's he's. I just can't listen to him, but let's let's move on. International Boxing Hall of Fame announced, and this is actually what a segue. They announced their um, Hall of Famers, uh, Winky Wright, um, Eric Morales, uh, Vitaly Klitschko. I have no, zero problem with any of those guys. Um, they're all deserving. The guy I have a hard... I, to be honest with you, I have a hard time with uh, Jim Gray. How does Jim Gray get in the Hall of Fame? I mean, I, you know, uh, this guy's a clown, and and all he does is do it in between round interviews. And even Steve Albert, no disrespect to him, but when was the last time I saw him call a fight? I mean, he he wasn't even calling fights for years and years and years. I mean, he called them for a couple of years, and that was it. I mean, um, what a really running out of people to put in? And 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 I honestly believe that they missed the boat on Ivan Calderon, that's a guy that deserved to get first ballot, and I don't know why Donald Curry isn't in yet. I, I believe that Donald Curry sh- is a Hall of Famer. The people disagree with me saying that um, you know he, he just didn't have the significant wins. I felt that he he blew into the division, took it by storm, and as quick as he took it, he lost it and was gone. But but that's the way boxing is. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. What's your thoughts on, on the uh, uh, inductees? And who was left out?
2: Well, you know, I, I have to agree. I have to agree with you, Billy. You know, some of the guys, I, I, I've i been wondering, you know, Donald Curry has been on that, on that ballot for quite a while now, and I don't understand why he's not in. But um, as far as Jim Gray, you know, who's Jim Gray? <laughs> you know, and Marv Albert, I could understand, but Steve Albert, you know, I was a little nice guy, but why, you know, uh, I'm like you. I'm a little confused. I don't know the process. I don't know the process of how they get in, you know, and so I'm, I'm always reluctant to uh, criticize uh, you know, that situation, but I have to agree you know, that uh, sometimes these last two induction classes, you know, I wasn't that enthusiastic about, but this one I'm really not. I'm really not feeling this way, you know. As far as the fighters that went in, I have no problem. But some of the other non-participants, it raises some question marks.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. Like, what does it take to get in the Hall of Fame? Well, if you slip something in this hand, I can make your name appear on that ballot, you know. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't like uh, what he's doing up there. But uh, anyway, one, one, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was. Uh, and I know you love this uh, World Boxing Super Series as much as I do. Uh, they announced the uh, a semifinal uh, bout uh, for the uh, cruiserweight division. And uh, two champions, at least belt holders, let, let's say belt holders, the IBF uh, cruiserweight champ Murat Gassiev is taking on uh, the WBA uh, cruiserweight champion, Unir Dortikos. Uh, it's going to be taking place in Russia in February, uh, February 3rd to be exact. Um, you know, both of these guys made comments, you know, they, they got some quotes from them. And the the thing that I like the most about this, Larry, is is both of them, and I'm going to paraphrase here, said, you know, we're, we're, we're glad we're in this fight and we're looking forward to fight the best and that's how we're going to prove that we're the best. Basically, they're saying, forget the titles because they're all going into this game with titles and... None of them have shown any fear of losing their trinket other than proving that they're the best guy in the division. And the reason why I mention this, and it's easy to agree, but the part that hurts, and, and I got to be honest with you, Larry, it hurts. No American fighters in this tournament. What does that say? I mean, there was that one, but what does that say about the attitude of not only the American fighters, but the powers that be that surround them, their management, their promoters, the television networks, and even the fan base, when we have to watch fighters from other countries willing to go in and prove it the old-fashioned way, I'm the best because I beat all the best guys. Forget the belts. Forget the network deals. Forget the promoters. I'm proving I'm the best. What's your thoughts on that?
2: Well, it doesn't, it doesn't say very much. It doesn't say very much about the American fighters, American promoters, managers, and everybody involved in American boxing. And, and it, has, it has been something that we've seen developing over the years. You know, if you look at boxing overall, the sport seems to be almost like it's being taken over by the foreign fighters. The superstars of boxing, you know, more and more, you know, seem to be the foreign fighters now. And the American promoters seem as if they've given up on the talent that's here. And I think that a lot of that is resulting from the amateur programs, the Olympic programs, and, you know, uh, the grassroots boxing programs. And unless we begin to put more energies into developing these uh you know our amateur fighters okay and bringing them up and developing them and a whole change of attitude in the boxing industry here in this country you know eventually we're not going to see many uh american superstars you know in the in the upper ranks of boxing that's my feeling.
1: yeah well you're right because you know they coddle them and protect them so much that they are actually shooting themselves in the foot because they're not they're not putting these guys in fights that would gather and 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 create a fan base. One last thing, Larry, uh, before we let you go, um, you know it's it's a pretty uh, pretty close that Anthony Joshua is going to be fighting uh, Joseph Parker next, but some of the comments in the uh, press. Uh, coming from uh, Deontay Wilder and the rest of his team, is saying that you know he this is a guy that's saying that he's being ducked and everything else, and it's basically come out now that the issue is is the the purse split, and that Deontay Wilder is ga- uh, is demanding at least at this stage um, a 50 50 purse split to fight uh, Anthony Joshua. In my opinion, I think that that's ridiculous because. Anthony Joshua uh, is is the guy in the driver's seat. I mean, th- this is a guy that can you know not have to fight Deontay Wilder, and he draws and makes all this money wherever he goes. Deontay Wilder has yet to make two million dollars and really doesn't have a large fan base. Uh, you know, you-, uh, you know, uh, d- does it justify a fifty fifty split in your opinion?
2: Hey, look, Joshua was the man, and especially if they have if that fight is in Europe. You know, there's no way he's going to give uh, Deontay Wilder 50-50, okay? But I think that that's just a ploy to get as much as they can, okay? And eventually, it'll settle for something like a 70, uh, 60-40, okay? Because the fight has to happen, okay? So I think they're just holding out to get as much as they can. But I can't see... um. Wilder warranting a 50-50 split against Joshua.
1: No way. Well, well, he, he, not going to happen. He, he, here, here's the other thing that I was talking about yesterday. You know, Deontay Wilder is really in a win-win situation here because let's say he accepts a fixed amount, which I think he should. I, the rumor I had heard at one point, he was offered $7 million plus the U.S. TV rights or whatever. Let's say he takes that. And even if he loses the fight, Larry, as long as he puts up a a good showing, this guy becomes a multi-million dollar fighter every time he steps in the ring after this. you know, he'll be making twice as much of what the maximum he's made already by by eating some crow and and fighting you know uh, for what he might not think is fair, but way more than he's ever made. I mean this is the part I don't understand that these so-called advisors or managers or promoters aren't explaining to the fighters from a business sense. From a business sense, you create value in yourself. And even if you lose, as long as you put on a good showing, you just upped your purse value. From here on out, a rematch would garner you more money. Another fight as you climb the ladder would garner you more money. I mean, all of this makes financial sense, except the first step. They're being too greedy, which may not even get them to the point. What's your quick thoughts on that?
2: Well, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Billy. Um, first off, that's an attitude that I think should be permeate should permeate in in all of these major fights. These guys, they you know, they get greedy. They get greedy, and um, they don't realize. That a good performance in a first fight will certainly warrant another fight. Okay, get as much as you can the first time out. Okay, put in a great performance, and you're gonna get. You're almost guaranteed a rematch in a fight like that. Okay, and so like you say, you know, you put in a good performance, you're guaranteed a multi a multi fight deal in your next one, and you can walk away. And maybe even a third fight, if you could put in another good performance. So, sometimes it's better to just take a little bit less the first time out, okay, and you cash in in the end, instead of trying to hit a home run the first time out, put in a sloppy performance, and you lose out altogether. So, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah,
1: they uh, they need to make that fight, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see that one, uh, you know, middle of next year. But... Larry, appreciate your time, my man. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We got Lomancheko against Regandau, Uh, and uh, I'll be yeah. looking forward to your comments on that next week. Okay, Billy. All right, my man, you have a good one. Okay. That's uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard giving us his thoughts on Kodo uh, and uh, some other stuff. So, uh, hey, who does it better than Larry? Huh? Nobody. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh Sal and I are going to talk about some emails we got uh our first top fights of the year uh that we're going to read to you. So uh from uh, a listener. So don't go anywhere. Uh we'll be back in 2. will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out billycboxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache.
0: oh <laughs> that's my face. I hate
1: you. I hate you. <laughs> that's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C- C- Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening. To the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, back with us uh, uh, from beautiful uh, St. Simons Island is my man uh, Sal Rocky Santacola. And Sal, I got uh, some emails to read, but foist. Uh, get you guys caught up with some other sports. Uh, in the NBA, the Raptors beat the Suns 126-113. The Thunder beat the Jazz 100-94. And the Wizards coming back from a pitiful performance. What, what are you doing, man? i you know, you're, you're sitting there rolling, playing a, a musical instrument. What are you, a one-man <laughs> band over
0: there? Uh get a side job. I got an organ and things like yeah. that. Forget about it. The
1: Wizards beat the Trailblazers 106-92. Uh, in the NHL, the Devils beat the Blue Jackets 4-1. to uh, The Rangers beat the Penguins 4-3. to The Blues beat the Canadiens 4-3. to Uh, The Red Wings beat the Jets 5-1. I'm always saying somebody beat the Jets. Uh, The Lightning (laughs) beat the Islanders 6-2. The Predators beat the Stars 5-2. The Sabres over the Avalanche 4-2. The Canucks shut out the Hurricanes 3-zip. The Kings over the Wild 5-2. And the Golden Knights of Las Vegas beat the Ducks 4-3 in a shootout. I got some emails. The first one is from Jesse, and he says, Hey, Billy C. and Sal. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Riggin- Riggo and Lomachenko fight. But why are we not talking about this fight more? It seems people aren't talking about the fight. It will be a tactical fight by both parties like a chess match. Both guys will be looking for their spots. Lomachenko will be moving and trying to throw a lot. But Riggo will be trying to counter and pick his shots and his moves. Um, I don't know why this fight has not gotten in the... in the. Uh, um, you know uh, press i mean i just don't get it you know what do you think
0: it's a good point and he mentioned all the uh the qualities and the things that we could expect from this fight and that we talked about earlier and you know bill i i hate to say it but you know I, it could be also that you know there's much more attention given to the heavier weight classes i mean it's been since the since the onset of boxing, unless there's a superstar, and these both both of these guys are kind of stars in their divisions, and um, I, I think they they should have been promoted, should have been talked about, and should be uh, celebrated. Uh, but you know, if we're a heavier weight class, like we do with the heavyweights, the middleweights, the light heavyweights, even the welterweights, uh, you know, maybe we would have had a little bit more press on the air or something else. But um, well, that's a good point. I. I no real explanation of why that we haven't been talking about it as much.
1: Yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, this fight. Uh, you know, I, even though some of the points I made earlier in the show about the size difference, um, it, it is a it is a fight. I mean, I, the the most intriguing part of this fight for me is going to see how it. And I know this sounds stupid, but to see how it turns out, and what I mean by that, Sal isn't isn't to see who wins it. it can the fight be exciting? That, that's the question. I mean, Riggendale is always criticized for lack of excitement, and Lomachenko can go either way. I mean, sometimes his version of excitement is clowning around. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, just like I said before, and you commented with that, uh, uh, that phrase that, that I, you know, I, I remember forever, and, and I, it takes a, a lot and, and ingenious to, to come out with that. And you, you said, bingo you know so uh when i when i said the main, when i said when i said the main thing is to see who can make the fight go their way your comment was bingo you know i thought maybe you won i thought you were maybe at the church and you were, you were playing you won you finally won you know so i, I don't know I, I i say that was good you know bingo oh i got that i got that number bingo you know but uh anyway uh <laughs> You know, that's a good point, right? Mama, mama mia. You're yeah, telling
0: me, Bill. Oh, mama mia. Ah,
1: that's funny. Anyway. Bingo. Yeah, bingo. Bingo. Hey, what's your comments on that? Bingo. Oh, bingo was his <laughs> name? Oh, what? <laughs> but extreme. anyway. Um, Jesse goes on to say, um, I can't fault Cotto for his torn bicep. He did his best and just couldn't use his left. Uh, all is very beatable in the 154th division. He should face guys like Julian Williams, lara saliki Liam smith or nathaniel gilmore those guys beat him um yeah but what about the main guys like uh you know we were talking about the uh uh you know the one charlo brother who's still in 154 and 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 heard i mean these are monsters i don't know i don't know if uh if if first of all kodo's done he's not gonna be fighting so i'm assuming you're talking about ali uh jesse so uh yeah maybe maybe he fights those guys but you know um i don't know i don't know he says uh ray vargas drops his hands too much vay versus uh jesse maglidenio i, I was a uh, uh, marlon uh, Tapales, uh, Rigo or daniel roman um Ray Vargas is kind of freaky, don't you think, Sal? I mean, a guy that weighs 122 pounds, he was, what, 8 feet tall? You know, and he he didn't look like a skinny. He didn't look that skinny. I I was amazed that he weighed one. I'm saying to myself, how can this guy weigh, even if he's dehydrated, how can he weigh 122? I mean, it just doesn't seem, you know, possible. But, uh, uh, you know, a guy with a frame like that, you know, the only thing he's lacking really is that one-punch
0: knockout power. Maybe it has something to do with the one hundred and twenty-two pounds in his and t- his stature. I wonder. I you know what?
1: I wonder if you're right. I wonder if he put on more weight
0: if he would gain some knockout p- power. Well, it's hard, you know. And I'll tell you what, Bill. We have a classic example. I mean, Tommy Hearns could shut the door and like an iron gate with his right hand and some of the power he had, and he was a tall, thin fighter. But this guy is is exceptionally for his height and weight at one twenty-two. I'm sure he's coming into the ring about 130, uh, maybe a little more, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, I I don't know if he's sitting down or turning on his punches. Maybe he's using his height advantage to to, uh, to, a degree that he's nullifying his ability to deliver some force behind those punches. I think if he has the right trainer to show him how to execute and turn and sit on some of those right hands and use the trunk and the body to, to really uh, force a punch, uh, I think maybe he'll have some more success, you know, with the power. I bet you, I, I don't know.
1: Uh, like I keep saying, I'm shocked he even could make 122, but I, I, would, I would be shocked if he was less than 140 uh, fight night. And, True. you know, you make a great point about Tommy Hearns, but the, th- the thing about Tommy Hearns is that Tommy Hearns had an upper body that was big it was from his waist down. He had those skinny little chicken legs, you know, but it just seems that uh, Vargas is, is more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Proportionate. His legs weren't really that skinny, you know, I mean, I I don't know. Uh, he says, Wilder shouldn't ask for so much and Parker should take 20%. He's lucky as he's getting 30% uh, by (laughs) Joshua, uh, Hearns, uh, and them were, were, were generous. Um, I don't even know if if uh, if it was released that he got thirty percent. I I think he got a fixed amount. I, unless unless Jesse knows something, I haven't heard. I didn't see it on my my wire uh, that uh, that the uh, financial agreements were released yet. The fight hasn't even been officially announced. Um, but uh, I don't think anybody is going to get a percentage of Anthony Joshua because of the money this guy can generate, whether he fights. A, a, a top guy or not, you know, I mean, the, he is such a big name, you know, it is what it is. It's the same thing as, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to keep bringing him up because I can't stand him and I'm glad he's out of the business hundred percent, but it's the same Floyd thing with Mayweather. Floyd. It's the same thing with Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather. You know what, whether you liked him or not, whether you liked his style or not, whether you liked him anyway or not, at the end of the day, Floyd Mayweather put, uh, you know, pay-per-view buys in the, in the bank. This guy was able to sell, you know, and that's the end of the day, man. That's the main thing, you know, and Anthony Joshua was in the same boat. Not, I'm not suggesting he's in the same boat as Mayweather, but he's in the same boat regarding, you know, who's the guy making the draw. It's certainly not Joseph Parker, and it's certainly not Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's second home, Brooklyn, New York. You walking down the streets of New York, nobody even knows who he is, you know. So, I mean, come on,
0: come on. I think Larry made a good point. Uh, at least with uh, Deontay Wilder, possibly flexing his uh, muscle a little bit and touting his horn because he's willing to sell for less. So go for the moon, go for an even split, and maybe he'll get sixty forty. I don't think he should get. Why should he more get a split?
1: That. Yeah, but 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 my my listen. If Anthony Joshua, after all was said and done, made uh, reportedly made uh, uh, close to twenty million dollars. All right? After all was said and done, that means after everybody else got their cut, he walks away with close to $20 million fighting Carlos Tacom. Why would he want to fight in a in a purse split? Now, first of all, purse split is gross. That doesn't mean what you walk away with. So if he's getting that much to fight Carlos Tacom, why would he... Why would he give that up? I mean, he could fight. He could go on and be like Deontay Wilder and fight the bums of the month uh, forever and make that kind of money. You know, a, a guy like Deontay Wilder who's never made $2 million, $10 million is, is, is way more than 2 You know, and he creates value in himself. Forget Joseph Parker. The fight that... And I don't mean to discredit Joseph Parker because, no, you know, I for don't. all we know, Joseph Parker could I'm go not- in there and knock out Anthony Joshua in one round, you know? But... But, but the, the fight that we all want to see is Wilder against AJ. And, you know, if money is going to prevent it from happening or if they're going to pull the old let's let it marinate, they're, they're doing this, the sport a
0: disservice in my opinion, Sal. I do. I, I agree with you. And I think that this is the fight that everyone wants to see in the heavyweight division. Uh, they could add the fluff. They could add the stuff. But this is the meat of the matter. And this is what we want to see. This is what the fans want to see. This is what we need to see sometime in 2018. You know, maybe uh, Deontay Wilder could just, sh- just say, hey, Give me ten million, I don't care what else happens. And you know, this way he'll feel satisfied, he doesn't know any percentage. Just give me ten million dollars. That's all I want. Boom. I'll fight anywhere. I'll go to uh I'll go in orbit, I'll go in the moon, I don't care where, and we'll do it. Take your ten million, divide it up, do what you gotta do, pay your taxes, take care of your trainer, your training camp, your manager, and you know what, you'll still have money left over to enjoy. More money than you ever made in your entire life. Put together.
1: Another email. This one's from my man, Coach. He says, hey, Billy C., why doesn't boxing drag in hand shot-taking IV, IV user? Uh, let me start over. It's a It's a tough sentence you got here for me, Coach. Why doesn't boxing drag in hand shot-taking IV using Mayweather for alleging he carried McGregor in his pro debut? Imagine if Tom Brady openly said that they held back scoring – Or LeBron James said he skimmed points. There would be fines and all kinds of investigations. Shouldn't Mayweather be investigated, questioned, or there be some kind of inquiry made? Is there any integrity left in boxing? That said, how about Luis Ortiz supposedly just being cleared by the WBC for a failed drug test in which he still is suspended by the WBA, yet he returns this Friday night, where else? but on an Al Heyman Premier Boxing Champions card. Um, you know, I, 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 I totally get where coach is coming from here, Sal. Uh, it is kind of strange that, uh, you know, Mayweather uh, said that, but, you know, not that I want to defend Mayweather. It's It's been said a lot in the sport of boxing that certain fighters carried others, um, you know, uh, one that comes to mind, uh, you know, in, in back in the old days. I mean, uh, you know, um, fighters, uh, ben, uh, Barney Ross uh, fought uh, uh, the, the windmill, Henry Armstrong. And Henry Armstrong was at the end of his, his career. And uh, Barney Ross uh, carried him for, for a while, you know, uh, and admitted it. So, uh, you know, the the only problem I have with Mayweather saying this uh, is that it does seem like they make special, uh, you know, uh, uh, things for Floyd. You know, like the IV that Coach mentions, uh, he's allowed to take steroids in his hands, uh, you know, and, and nobody ever says anything. He rarely uh, gets as much, much testing done as it seems for his opponents, at least publicized. And for him to say that he carried McGregor, it, the way i look at it is more of a slap in the face for all the people that shelled out 100 bucks to watch it you know so and 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 nothing for nothing uh but he probably just uh ruined any you know possibility of a rematch not that i want one but uh no, and, no, no, and, no, no, and and no, the no. and the uh uh and, and the analogy coach made with the other sports is 100%
0: true what's your thoughts it's true i mean you know if we looked at Isolated incidents. I mean, we could tear it apart and everything else, and and look at why, why, why. I mean, it's the game of boxing. There's there's these private concessions. There's these things that happen, and uh, there's there's money on the table. There's a lot of things. Hey, guess what? I never said. I still have a real hard time seeing that Lomachenko got a world title fight and a second fight out of the gate. I mean, what does that say to everybody else ranked before him and that put the dues in and everything else? I mean, you know, I, it is what it is. It happened. But, uh, you know, it's uh, those. It's just one of those things. Like I said, there's private concessions made every day in a game of boxing. It's the world it is. I asked everyone
1: yesterday to start uh, submitting your uh, top five, uh, you know, uh, fights of, of 2017. Sal and I both agree that. 2017 was a tremendous year for the sport, Um, and um, we got our first one. So if you have your list, and you can go more than five if you have a top 10, and and they don't have to be all the big, huge fights. It could be a fight that you saw in a club show, uh, at a club show. And, And, you know, just what's your opinion of the top five fights of 2017? Uh, email me Billy at talking boxing, dot com. We got our first one and it's from, uh, my man, Matt Quinn out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, he says, uh, Hey Billy, C this is my first time writing in, but I love your show and thank you and your team for doing daily boxing talk. The sport of Kings deserves the attention. Well, we certainly appreciate that Matt. Um, we've been doing it for a, a long time and, uh, Uh, You know, I love catering to to true boxing fans. You know, sometimes I glance at some of the the comments. We we have simulcast to show up on YouTube, and the YouTube boxing community is totally different than the real boxing community. There's a lot of people that don't know the sport of boxing, and I I love it when I, I see comments like, you know, sal and i don't know the sport or we're amateurs or we're this or that what did you, you know, see that I, I, you never told me yeah i know i never told you but i have you know i've been in <laughs> you're me. You me i've been i've been in ba- yeah i'm carrying you i've i've been i've been involved bingo i've been in uh i've been, i've been involved in this sport over First 30 race. years uh I, 35 now and and I, I you know um i i think i know a little about it but anyway uh He says, uh, Matt says, to me, 2017 was a tremendous year for boxing, despite a few black eyes. And in parentheses, it says Triple G won that fight. He says, great matchups, television deals, bringing fights back to the masses, and large-scale boxing tournament in the World Boxing Super Series make me tremendously excited to be a fan and look forward to 2018. As my excursion this year, uh, as my final excursion this year, I will attend the Lomachenko-Rigandau fight. I hope that fight tops all uh, I'll lay out below. And please note my bias to fights that I was in attendance to. Number one, he's got Joshua versus Klitschko. A fight like this wow. is why we watch boxing, undoubtedly the fight of the year and possibly of the 2010s, back and forth high stakes action, the emergence of a global boxing star, and the passing of the heavyweight torch. I watched from Antigua, Guatemala, in a barroom drinking gin it really gets better than that um i love this guy i i, I want I like uh, in buffalo guy New York. Guy, I, I know in buffalo new york matt come on why don't you come and see me at turning stone man it's halfway between you and me oh. man come on anyway he says and and listen anthony joshua and vladimir klitschko great fight definitely deservingly uh of uh, uh 2017 top fights of the year uh, before I'll tell you guys mine at at the end of this year, but I'll give you a hint. It's definitely on there. Uh, great fight. I can't uh, can't disagree. This is number two says Garcia against Broner. The fact Mikey isn't a name brand star yet is mind boggling. Great story. Great fight. A great character and willing to throw punches. I was also fortunate to attend this fight. Uh, center ring. I thought Garcia boxed beautifully and dominated most rounds against a still dangerous and big name opponent. A real treat and i'm excited for mikey's career to come hey listen nobody can dispute uh mikey garcia and the quality uh uh of a fighter that he really is i love mikey garcia i question some of his career moves in terms of you know who he's fighting for the money it seems a little greedy at this point but uh mikey garcia a true uh and he's a throwback fighter too Third fight, he says, Spence Jr. against Kell Brook. It saddens me I couldn't attend this bout, but I will be there January 20th. I've watched Spence's entire career and have known he would be great. Although he gave himself a B, I thought he won uh, in hostile turf and convincingly leading to a worthy knockout. His work to the body and perseverance after starting slow was phenomenal. A true star and absolutely the truth. I will cheer him the victory and await his bout in January. Not many hit the body as well as the truth. You know, I already forgot about that fight. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. Uh, I, I'm I glad like Matt uh, brought that up. I mean, uh, you know, Errol Spence, uh, he's hes on the cusp. Yeah. I mean, the, the fight we want to see yeah. him against is Thurman. And I'm just wondering if
0: Thurman will man up and, and fight Errol Spence. I don't Spence. know. That's a tough one. I see Errol Spence uh, being a little... Uh, I think Errol Spence will handle Thurman, I really do. He's tough. He's no he's no uh no he's he's the he's the meat on the bone this guy. He's he's good.
1: You know, the 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 thing is is every time you see those two guys kinda together uh, on separate sides of the table, so to speak, um it seems that Errol Spence is in Thurman's head already. Uh you know, Thurman oh, yeah. Thurman seems very uneasy around Errol Spence and Errol Spence he's got this sarcastic <laughs> sardistic look on his face always always when he's when he's around him like this I this noticed. level of confidence that you you rarely see i mean you know the the guy that that i can you know uh, equate it to the best is is the look on evander holyfield's face when he was walking out to fight mike tyson i mean no one including myself gave evander holyfield much chance and i remember watching that fight saying Man, the look on Evander's face seems like he knows something that's already happened, you know. And, and he comes out and, and performs like it. And, and that's kind of what Errol Spence does to uh, Keith Thurman. Uh, his next fight uh, that he has, number four, uh, Gassiov against Vlad Zarek. He says, prior to this bout, I had seen Gaziov on some smaller TV cards, but I was unfamiliar along with many U.S. fans at this budding cruiserweight star. Being at the Prudential Center, I was saddened to see only a few thousand fans trek to see such a great fight uh, as the uh, World Boxing Super Series. Sadly, this shows the state of boxing uh, for foreign fighters without a network push. Only boxing junkies like you, Rocky, and I will scour the earth for such entertainment. I found Gassiev at 24 years old was the type of fighter we all love to see. Trained by Abel Sanchez, should I expect anything less, the wicked body shot and takedown by Gassiev was great to see from only a few rows back. In addition, this bout is leading us to a matchup with Dorticos on February 3rd, which is sure to be interesting and lead to a phenomenal uh, WBSS, World Boxing Super Series final. Um, another great fight uh, of twenty seventeen, Sal, um, was uh, right in uh, Larry Hazard's backyard at the Prudential Center in Jersey. Uh, I love this tournament. We we talked about it before, and uh, another great fight. I mean, now that you know, we're 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 starting to actually
0: go through these top five fights of the year. It, you know, yeah. it's really hard to just limit it to five, isn't it? I think we can go up to ten. I think they're like I said. We, uh, we, were, we were fortunate enough. We had a great reboot this year, and uh, I think it's going to generate some more fights for 2018 that are going to be very satisfying the well, Factory.
1: Well, the, we also have a tendency to forget some of the real early ones that took place, like we do. Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton rematch. You know, that was in, like, January, right. you know, and so it seems like years ago, and it was this year. Um, and his last fight you're going to love but we're going to take a short break before I read it. So uh, uh, don't go anywhere. I'm going to give you the fifth fight that my man Matt Quinn sent us uh, as per my request to send you to send me the top uh, five fights, uh, in your opinion, that we've had uh, in 2017. And don't limit it to five if you can't. If you got more than five you want to mention, lay them on me. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I
2: hate you.
1: That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. Billy C interact with the show at com, And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, I'm uh, about to read the fifth of the top 5 fights of 2017 as seen by my man Matt Quinn. Don't forget email me your top 5 or if you have your top 10. 2017 was a great year for f- Boxing, and uh, my man uh, Matt has sent us his top five, and they're all very good, especially number five. Sal, are you are you ready yes. for this? Are you ready for this? I'm literally at the edge of my seat. Bingo! Well, here it comes. That's your new name. Sal Bingo Sanicola. easy. easy. Matt's my... fifth uh, fight uh, of 2017 is top five. Number five, Lemieux versus Stevens. He says, I was Whoa. in attendance ringside at the Turning Here he is. He goes to the Turning Stone. I was in attendance for that fight, too, Matt. Why didn't you come by and say hello, man? Jesus, this guy. You know, what, what is it? I, is, is it, you know, I shower. I shower. <laughs> anyway, um, he says, LeMou, to Stevens. I was in attendance at the Turning Stone for this fight, which produced one of the best knockouts of the year. Yeah, we all thought he killed uh, Stevens. I was actually next to Stevens' brother who was yelling, screaming, all of a sudden Stevens gets put to sleep and, you know, this guy slipped out the back. But uh, uh, he says, uh, although not a normal high-end HBO bout, I found this was a great match for fans of old-school slug it out boxing. At the time, Lemieux was still coming back from a Triple G uh, beatdown and he entertained fans with a phenomenal knockout and slugger ap- action. This knockout performance on HBO led to some additional matchups and finally a WBO a title fight uh, on December 16th sitting next to rowdy French Canadians was a tremendous time uh, at a great bout I know Lemieux can be seen as one-dimensional but at least I can count on him to throw and entertain Um, great job Matt and uh, I I, uh, appreciate it big time and I hope to see you at the fights a great list if you have your list uh, send them to me, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G uh, dot com. Uh, you know, 2017 is quickly uh, coming to a close, and uh, we had a phenomenal year. And I'd like to hear what you thought were the top five fights uh, of this year. So uh, interesting stuff, huh, Sal?
0: Interesting stuff. And uh, Mac comes from one of my favorite places, uh, Buffalo, New York. You know, we have the most phenomenal chicken wings at my restaurant. We get them from Buffalo, La Nova wings. Like Nova Chevy? No, it's called La Nova. Oh, oh. There's the wing king up there. And we get the very best, the world's best chicken wings, I promise you. They're they're phenomenal. You've had them, right?
1: No, I'm funny about wings, man. I, I, I got to make them myself because, uh, first of all, No one can make uh, uh, the wing sauce like mine. And second of all, I like I make my own. I can't tell you. And 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 not only that, but they gotta be they gotta be like totally burnt. You know, I don't like seeing what's in those wings. I like to basically with my wing sauce, you could you know coat a pencil with it, and I'll take and I'll I'll love it. You know, but uh, I like them really crispy and and burnt. Uh, You know, most places won't give it to me like that. Uh, but there's nothing worse to me than a mushy wing, you know.
0: Bill, I'm going to take on the wing challenge. When you come down the next time you come down, and I hope it's going to be in January, I am going to cook you personally some of our chicken wings. And I promise, I'm either going to serve them with a uh, a chick. Uh, I got a beautiful barbecue glaze. No, I got a chick uh, hot bourbon. sauce. I got all a I want, glaze. all I eat, is hot sauce. So, okay, I got hot sauce. I might try slipping one with a bourbon glaze that I do. But other than that, I'm telling you this. I promise you, Bill, promise you, that you will absolutely devour and love our wings. And we get them from Buffalo, New York every week. Bingo. Bingo. Bingo.
1: <laughs> our, uh, You're a funny guy. Our, our trivia question is stumping people. It, it's it It's not only stumping people, but apparently – it's pissing some people off. I won't mention Coach's name because it's certainly pissing him off. He He's uh, uh, submitted a couple of names. And as a matter of fact, he, he was really pushing uh, with his last email. He had uh, mentioned a guy that he thought it was, and the, it was very close. Uh, and he's going, it's pretty, basically saying it's pretty fishy that this guy's so close. But, but he did admit that one of the, uh, uh, you know, parts of this question, his guy did not conform to which you know that's why we have the question that's why we put the wording in the way we do because it's got to conform with all these things here's the question I captured. it's a who am I question I captured my first world title on my first try but once I lost the title it took me almost 12 years and five title attempts before I would win another world title who am I now, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's dot com you'll win your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game. And speaking of which, normally we do our blast from the past today, uh, but uh, my man Alex Papali was under the weather, uh, so we're going to put it off. So next week, we will do our blast from the past on um, former world title challenger Henry Cooper. Uh, as per request by one of our viewers and listeners. So make sure you uh, don't miss that. But uh, if you email me the correct answer and you're the first one, you'll win a copy of the title bout game uh, one more time. And if you don't want to wait and you want a copy of the title bout championship computer game, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the title bout uh, banner, which you can't miss. Um, I captured my first world title on my first try. But once I lost it, it took almost 12 years and five attempts before I would win another world title. Who am I? Everybody, take a guess on that and drop me an email, Billy, at Boxing. That's dot com. Good luck to everyone uh, on that question. Um, on this day in boxing history, December 6, in 1987, Chong Pal Park knocks out Jesus uh, Gallardo in the second round to win the newly created WBA World Super Middleweight title, and that took place in South Korea. On this day in 1997, Yuri Boy Campus knocks out uh, Raul Marquez in the eighth round to win the IBF World Junior Middleweight title. It took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Now, that's the same Raul Marquez that you see on Showtime, he does a great job on Showtime. I like him. I like everybody on Showtime except Ronaldo This guy should be uh, uh, dragged through the mire, and then dropped off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, I'm going to end it there because the last time I said something, I didn't say it right. Then Buffalo,
0: New York's far
1: away. Yeah, it is, <laughs> and, and and it's cold too up there. Um, on this day in 1997, Keith Mullings. Uh, knocks out terrible Terry Norris in the ninth round oh. to win the world uh, WBC World Junior middleweight title, and that took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, this day in 1975. And this is a guy who you can see up at the Hall of Fame with his beautiful wife uh, every year. John Stracy knocks out Jose Nap- uh, Napolis in the sixth round to win the World Welterweight title, took place in Mexico City, in 1975. On this day, in 1949, Sandy Sadler wins a 10 yes. round decision over Orlando Zuvleta to win the vacant World Junior Lightweight title and took place in Cleveland. And finally, on this day, December 6, in 1897, Jimmy Barry knocks out Walter Kroot in the 20th round to win the vacant World Flyweight title. And that took place in London on this day in 1897. Boxing's been around a
0: long time, Sal. It has. And, you know, you mentioned Sandy Sadler. I I, I met him at the inaugural indoctrination of the Boxing Hall of Fame. And he was a very tall, lean featherweight, wasn't he not?
1: He was pretty tall. Yeah, Sandy Sadler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, he was the one that eventually his career ended because uh, he lost a, an eye, I think, in, in a plane accident. Yeah. Wasn't that him? In a plane it was crash, something like something that. that. He, he had
0: a crass. bad thing with the eye. But uh, he also, I know he and Willie Pep had some great exchanges, no?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, You know, the other guy, uh, the Bolo Punch uh, fighter. Arm, uh,
0: yeah, the Bolo guy. Aren't you going to name his name? Kid Gavilan. Yes. Kid Gallup His trunks yes. are right Gala. there. From Cuba.
1: Right, right there. I have Joe. Cuba. The white ones are Joe Frazier sign, And right below him, Kid Gavilan signed. Yes. Bingo. Just FYI. For all those people that don't think uh, we know anything nope. about the sports, Sal. Um, bingo. <laughs> wrong wrong, wrong thing. Hey, listen. We are... Uh, off tomorrow but we'll be back the following day so uh make sure uh you uh catch up on some shows you may have missed but uh just don't forget one thing tune in Friday morning same bat time same bat channel until then i'll leave you with this ciao baby <laughs>
0: Denon and then a 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 denon and then a